Hello, Bell has wrong. Welcome to another edition of In Ring Reality. I, of course, am your host, Razman's Reality, here after an unintended week's absence with a brand new episode. Yeah, last Saturday, I was recovering from being sick with a cold. We were in the middle of WrestleMania week, so my intention was to purposely delay the podcast anyway. And then get a new show up Thursday or Friday of this week with all of the fallout and sort of play catch up on everything else. But life just sort of got in the way. So we're back on a normally scheduled day of Saturday with all the fallout from WrestleMania week. All the crazy news going on right now. And believe me, folks, it is crazy, crazy, crazy. And everything in between. So let's just jump Right into it, of course, where the biggest week of the wrestling year began, and that was with this past Friday's NXT TakeOver New York from the Barclays Center. As our first match saw, the NXT Tag Team Championships retained by the War Raiders as they defeated the winners of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, Aleister Black and Ricochet. Not really a surprise. At all in this one, I expected every bit of this outcome as I did think that most people, because with Aleister Black and Ricochet on the main roster now, it wouldn't have made sense for them to be the NXT Tag Team Champions. However, this is exactly what you would have hoped it would be. It was a beautiful send-off and a fantastic match for Aleister Black and Ricochet. The send-off came in the form of NXT Tag Team Champions, the War Raiders, laying the titles at the feet of Black and Ricochet and bowing to them. And of course, the crowd with a chance of, thank you, Black, thank you, Ricochet. So it was really, really emotional and a really cool match to see and a really great opener. Next up, the NXT North American Championship is on the line as the Velveteen Dream successfully defended and thus remains your NXT North American champion as he is victorious over Matt Riddle. This one to me was the biggest surprise of the entire weekend, meaning WrestleMania, G1, everything else that we had going on. To me, this was the biggest surprise of the entire weekend because Matt Riddle had yet to suffer a one-on-one loss. And the only loss that he did have on the NXT roster was one in which he wasn't involved with the decision. So I was really taken aback and really, really surprised by this outcome. But nonetheless, it was a great match. And Matt Riddle more than likely is going to move up the card really, really fast in NXT now that he's got his challenge for the North American Championship out of the way, which I think is another reason why they did it along with the fact that the NXT North American Championship has played a little bit of a hot potato recently between Ricochet, Johnny Gargano, and Velveteen Dream. So they probably just didn't want another hot potato title switch situation. So Velveteen Dream is still your North American Heavyweight Champion. Next up, we have a new WWE United Kingdom Champion as the record-breaking reign of the Bruiserweight Pete Dunne comes to an end 
at the hands of the big Austrian known simply as Walter. Again, this one was an outcome that most people expected, but if you've never seen Walter and P. Dunn wrestle one another, which would have been hard to do because for all their path crossing and similarities that they had, they never really crossed paths too much in a one-on-one capacity in the Indies. But if you've never seen what either one of these men is all about, particularly Walter, because I know not everybody watches NXT UK, then you owe it to yourself to go out of your way to see this matchup. This may have been a contender for 2019 match of the year. That's how amazing this matchup was. Really, really, really well done. The storytelling was through the roof. And this is basically what Baron Corbin thinks he's doing on the main roster. And the fact that Walter's a big man, portrays himself like a big man, but it's so much more entertaining at doing so. Next up, it was the second biggest shock of the night as Shayna Baszler is still your NXT Women's Champion as she defeats Bianca Belair, Io Shirai, and Kylie Sane in a fatal four-way match. I thought everything was either leading to an Io Shirai or Bianca Belair capturing of this title so that Shayna Baszler could easily move up to the main roster. But nonetheless, in a very surprising move, that perhaps isn't WWE's plan. As I mentioned, Baszler retains the NXT Women's title. This matchup was a great matchup, but WrestleTalk has pointed it out several times over, as of other podcasters in the industry, and I have to echo what they're all saying. NXT, for all of its greatness and all of its ability to put on amazing, amazing shows, they are not doing their women very well in their takeover scenarios because for the third straight takeover pay-per-view, the women had to follow a very hot matchup and they come right in between a very hot matchup and the main event for the NXT Championship. And when that's the case, as solid as the women matches are, week in and week out, time in and time out, on these takeover shows or NXT TV, whenever the title is online, they're the least talked about right now of all divisions of NXT, and that's because of the fact of how they're presented in terms of the card. As such, I hope in the future that the women get to be the middle match at an NXT TakeOver show so as to have themselves not overshadowed by what follows them. Speaking of what follows them, of course, the main event of TakeOver New York was to crown a new NXT champion following the injury of spinal stenosis of champion Tommaso Ciampa as his would-be challenger Johnny Gargano faced off against replacement opponent Adam Cole Bebe in a 2 out of 3 falls NXT championship match. Now because I am, because of life, just about the last one to do a weekly recap for WrestleMania week this week, I know I'm not the first podcaster to say this, but it really, really is important to drive this point home. This was a pointless stipulation for this match. This match should have never been two out of three falls because the first fall and the second fall 
were done so quickly and almost to a fault anticlimactically that it really didn't matter what happened in them. The crowd was almost dead for them, and it wasn't until the third and deciding fall when the announcer literally came on and reminded the crowd what was at stake by doing the whole this deciding fall will crown your new NXT champion that the crowd came alive with that out of the way it was the classic that you hoped it would be once we did get to that third fall Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano put on an unbelievable match the amount of storytelling and the amount of emotion in this match was through the roof especially with the near pinfalls making you think that it was going to go the other way several times and your new NXT champion completing the feel-good story, although not in the way we all had hoped for, but completing it nonetheless, your new NXT champion is Johnny Champion, Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Gargano is the NXT Heavyweight Champion. And, of course, after the matchup, we saw Tommaso Ciampa in his neck brace embrace the new champion, Johnny Gargano, in a great, great moment. So, I can't recommend this match enough. It was great once they got to that third fall. And it's a wonderful, wonderful, so well-deserved moment for Johnny Gargano as your new NXT champion. I didn't get a chance to view any of the quote-unquote independent or other company shows this week except for... The G1 Supercard presented by Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling. This, of course, was the show that sold out Madison Square Garden. The first ever show in the United States to sell out an arena that was not a WWE show in many, 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 many years. Let alone sell out the historic arena that is Madison Square Garden. First match of the night and all matches on this card, by the way, were title for title. So that was really interesting and a really nice touch by New Japan and ROH when they had the interpromotional matchups. It was never open weight champion versus Ring of Honor World TV champion as Will Ospreay took on Jeff Cobb and your winner in about 12 minutes and 52 seconds, I believe it was, was the ROH TV champion, and now your new New Japan Pro Wrestling Never Openweight Champion, Jeff Cobb. This was a solid matchup, really did a nice job putting over Jeff Cobb. Will Ospreay does a nice job of putting people over when he's tasked with that. I hoped that Ospreay would win this match because Will Ospreay is just a flat out star, but it wasn't meant to be. This was a solid opener, however, for this show. Next up, it was a grudge match as Rush, or Roosh, as I believe it's pronounced, took on the former Ring of Honor World Champion, Dalton Castle. Rush wins this thing in an ultimate squash situation at about 15 seconds. Yes, you heard me right. 15 seconds, Rush gets the victory. And the big story in this one was the apparent heel turn of Dawson Castle as he showed 
frustration on his boys at the end of the match. So this was definitely a storyline matchup and not anything else here with ROH. Next up, the ROH Women of Honor World Championship was on the line as Mayu Utani defended against Kelly Klein. This was an amazing matchup. These two ladies, I didn't know much about either one. Well, I knew a little bit more about Kelly Klein, the gatekeeper. I'd seen her a little bit more, but this was my really first opportunity to really see either one of them in a real back-and-forth battle. I really enjoyed this match. It lasted just over 10 minutes, according to my notes here in front of me, and this was really, really good. In the end, your new Ring of Honor Women of Honor champion is Kelly Klein. The gatekeeper walks out with the title in this one. Great matchup. Highly, highly recommended. Next up, it was supposed to be the NYC Street Fight. Juice Robinson answering the open challenge of Bully Ray. Earlier in the night, Juice Robinson is quote-unquote taken out of things, which subsequently leaves Bully Ray with the opportunity to say, let me tell you that my open challenge is still open. We then see the Ring of Honor Return of one flip, 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 golden, flip, 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 golden. Yeah, if you can't tell by that little attempt at serenation right there, that is one of my favorite human beings in the wrestling business right now and one of my favorite overall wrestling themes. But yeah, flip returns. Then it breaks down as Silas Young and Shane Taylor Attack Flip Gordon along with Bully Ray. Then Juice Robinson comes out and is okay alongside of Matt Haskins. So it turns into a six-man tag. Solid match. Probably one of the longest matches of the night that didn't really need to be. But it was a great showcase. And in the end, the team of Flip Gordon, Juice Robinson, and Matt Haskins are your victors. In this one. Next up, it was a triple threat match for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship as Dragon Lee and Bandito challenged Taishi Ishimori. And your winner and new IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion is Dragon Lee. This one was a really good match. Not anything new that we haven't seen from any of these athletes before. This was more of a case of. A lot of people haven't seen Bandito. A lot of people haven't seen Dragon Lee on a North American stage. Let's showcase them. And that's just what they did. And Dragon Lee, as I mentioned, walks out your new IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. Next up, it was a matchup to unify the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships and the ROH World Tag Team Championships. As Evil and Sonata, the Gorillas of Destiny, Villain Enterprises, and the Briscoes all squared off in a fatal four-way match. And what, in my opinion, was a bit of a surprise, the victors here in this one were the Gorillas of Destiny in a solid match that went just under 10 minutes. The bigger story of this match was not the great athletic from all four teams. It was not the fact that the Gorillas 
of Destiny walked out of the matchup with the title belts, but rather what happened afterwards and what appeared to be a shoot situation, but has since been revealed to most likely be a work as the company themselves, Ring of Honor, retweeted about the situation. Former WWE stars Enzo Amore and Big Cass jumped the new tag team champions, the Gorillas of Destiny, in a post-match celebration. Everyone from the Ring of Honor locker room that's big and bad and can be taken seriously comes down because security didn't quote-unquote do their jobs. But according to people in attendance and according to that retweet that we talked about earlier, nothing was done to get Enzo and Cass out of the building. So this does appear to be a storyline. We'll have to wait and see how this thing further develops. But because this was more about the angle afterwards, I will say that it was unexpected, but what was interesting was just how much the announcers, how much the camera crew, everyone involved, tried to pass this off as a shoot, only to have the company tweet about it later on. It kind of defeated the purpose and kind of deflated the angle a little bit. So overall, I'd have to give this entire situation about a B- minus because I don't think it was handled all that well at all. And the one and only match from a company not named Ring of Honor or New Japan Pro Wrestling on this card, Rev Pro presented to us a British Heavyweight Championship match as New Japan staple himself, but also British Heavyweight Champion of Rev Pro, Zack Sabre Jr. defended his title against Hiroshi Tanahashi, the legendary one, Sabre Jr. retained the British Heavyweight Championship by submission, won the longer matches of the night, just over 15 minutes, everything you would expect from these two. I don't know how Hiroshi Tanahashi continues to put on matches like this. The guy is just freaking timeless. He's a lot like one of my idols in Chris Jericho in that regard. Just a great matchup. And, of course, as I mentioned earlier, Zack Sabre Jr. retains the title. In the first of the co-main events of the show for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship, it was Tetsuya Naito defending against Kota Ibushi. And, ladies and gentlemen, the Golden One gets it done. He is your new IWGP Intercontinental Champion as Kota Ibushi walks away with the gold. Anytime these two square off, it is just brutal. It is just non-stop. This thing went just over 20 minutes and didn't feel like it went a bit over 10 minutes. This was an unbelievable match. Arguably the match of the night. In fact, I think I would go so far as to call this my match of the night. Just great, great work from Naito and Ibushi. Glad to see Ibushi win the IC title. He deserves it, and now Naito can go upward on the card to challenge for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. But the question is, who would he be challenging for that IWGP Heavyweight Championship? We'll find out 
in a moment in our coverage. But next up, the Ring of Honor World Championship was online in a triple threat ladder match as the villain Marty Skrull and Matt Taven challenged Ring of Honor World Champion Jay Lethal in this one. This one went about 30 minutes, just about 30 minutes even, maybe a little bit under. This was full of craziness, as you would expect from a ladder match, as you would expect from the abilities of every one of these men. In the end, exactly who I was hoping would comes out, and we have a new Ring of Honor World Champion as the leader of the kingdom, Matt Taven, gets his first heavyweight championship run. Now, why was I pulling for Taven over Marty Skrull? Simply because I think it's more than obvious that Marty Skrull will be joining AEW in the very near future. So this is all about Taven. ROH is Taven's company right now. And thankfully, they recognize that. And Taven walks out with the gold. And in your other main event of the evening, I misspoke earlier, called it a double main event. Of course, it was a triple main event, but in your last main event match of the night, it was for the aforementioned IWGP Heavyweight Championship of the World as numerous time champion and legend Kazuska Okada challenged Switchblade Jay White for the title. And ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the G1 is now once again reigning on top as IWGP Heavyweight Champion Kazushka Okada walks out of Madison Square Garden with the gold in a match that went just over 30 minutes. This had a great task ahead of it of making Jay White look like a worthy star against Okada. Okada continues to prove that he can wrestle just about anyone for any length of time for any reason. Jay White did look tremendous against him. Don't really have any complaints about this matchup. And Okada wins, as I previously mentioned. So, how do I feel about the pay-per-view as a whole? Well, despite the fact that I'm praising most of the outcomes, because most of the outcomes in this thing were great, despite a musical segment in the middle from Mega Ran that went absolutely nowhere as well, that I almost completely forgot to mention. One of the most horrible music segments I've ever seen on a wrestling show. But despite that little hang-up, and despite the fact that most of the card was great, I didn't enjoy this show as much as I hoped that I would be able to enjoy it because of a simple fact that it was just a bit too long. It could have easily had about 45 minutes shaving off this card, particularly with the pointless musical segment as I previously mentioned. As such, I'm going to give this show on the whole a rating of, I guess, a 7 out of 10 or a 3 out of 5 if you want to use the star rating. Very watchable show, but just a bit too long and a little bit underwhelming for everything this show should have been. There isn't much to say about Saturday evening's WWE Hall of Fame ceremony. The Hall of Fame is exactly what the Hall of Fame should be. 
It celebrates every legend who has the honor of being in there. The stand-up speeches this year definitely came from the Hart Foundation, represented, of course, by Natty and Brett, because Jimmy Anvil, of course, could not be there, and the Honky Tonk Man, and also, surprisingly enough, the other standout speech on this night was that of the one that most people were questioning whether or not she should have been inducted in the first place, and of course, I'm talking about Tori Wilson, but that she had a great speech and talked about her father passing away just a couple days before it. It was really, really sad. Of course, the big story that comes out of the Hall of Fame, of course, is the attack on Bret Hart. Just an absolutely heinous situation. The fact that someone would do this, we're not going to talk too much about it because I don't believe in giving credence to actions like that, but it's just sickening and disgusting and something that I, of course, wish never would have taken place, but it did, and thankfully, Brett, thanks to the F for Intelligence of Security and Ronda Rousey's husband and everyone else that was involved that night, Travis Brown, that is, I couldn't think of his name there for a moment, but thanks to everyone who stood up for Brett that night, Brett survived it, he was okay, he was able to finish his induction speech and all as well, but the entire situation is just sickening. Now, of course, it is time to talk about the big one, the showcase of the immortals, the granddaddy of them all, WrestleMania 35 from MetLife Stadium in New York, New Jersey. And what was a seven and a half hour show, if you count the pre-show, which we should because there was talent involved, there were matches Involved, so a seven and a half hour show, far too long, but one of the more enjoyable WrestleManias in recent memory. So let's get into it. First match of the night saw the crowning of a new WWE Cruiserweight Champion as Tony Nese defeated Buddy Murphy. I was really surprised by this. I don't look at Tony Nese as championship material, but in hindsight, being 2020 that it is, I perhaps. Shouldn't have been really surprised by this at all because Buddy Murphy literally did everything he could possibly do on 205 Live. There was nothing left for him to do. So now Tony Nese gets his run with the title. Carmelo wins the second annual WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal. Not much to say about this one. Sarah Logan got a great amount of work and really made me want to see a Solo Sarah Logan push. It was actually really disappointing when Carmella ended up being the winner here, which I gotta say was probably the opposite reaction than WWE was hoping for because, let's face it, Carmella is supposed to be the face and Sarah Logan is supposed to be the heel. Didn't come off that way though. In a bit of a surprise, the final pre-show championship match was the Raw Tag Team title match which saw Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins defeat the Revival and capture the Raw Tag Team titles. Really, really glad for Hawkins in this one. That ridiculous losing streak of a gimmick is over now. And hopefully that means that it'll be nothing but good things for both men going forward. 
was really just waiting to see the revival lose. This is just yet more reason that they should go to AEW because maybe, however, given the events of the week, there is a reason behind it. We will talk more about that later. And then the final pre-show match, to no one's surprise, Braun Strowman wins the armbar, the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, and to no one's surprise, the ending involves Colin Joust from Saturday Night Live. There's not much I can say about this Battle Royal. It is what it is. It's become what it's become. It is not honor their memory at all of Andre the Giant, in my opinion. Just a completely, completely pointless match. The main card kicks off with an appearance from WrestleMania host Alexa Bliss, and she snaps her fingers, saying that she can have a WrestleMania moment anytime she wants, as she does so, and she brings out with that snap, none other than the immortal Hulk Hogan making his return to WrestleMania. Always cool to see the Hulkster. Was definitely a bit of a surprise, but not as big of a surprise as to what came next. As a very frustrated Paul Heyman comes out and says, Look, if my client Brock Lesnar is not on last, we're going to get our business done. We're going to get on a plane and we're going to go somewhere where Brock Lesnar is ultimately appreciated. So yes, the Universal Heavyweight Championship match was the first match on the official WrestleMania card. And Seth Rollins, thank the heavens above, is your new WWE Universal Champion. This was a good moment for Seth. The moment was everything that everyone hoped it would be. I don't like the characterization though because Seth is supposed to be this Uber A face. So I don't like the fact that he had the low blow Lesnar a couple times before hitting him with the stomp. I liked it better when they were telling the story of Brock Lesnar's struggles with athletes like a Seth Rollins. And didn't go this route. But it is what it is. And Seth is champion. So we move forward. Next up it was AJ Styles. Defeating Randy Orton. Great match as you would expect. From these two. Great ability to put to bed. What has been a great storyline. Randy Orton continues to show. That when Randy Orton cares. About what Randy Orton is doing in the ring. Randy Orton is one of the world's best performers. Of course in there with one. The world's best performers in AJ Styles. Unfortunately, AJ reportedly suffered an injury in this matchup, and that's why he wasn't on SmackDown this week. So we'll have to keep an eye on the severity of that situation and whether it impacts a possible move to Raw in the WWE Superstar shakeup that, of course, will go down on weekly TV this week. Next up, it was the grudge match, the Falls Count Anywhere grudge match. Between the so-called best in the world, Shane McMahon and The Miz. And a bit of a surprise to me, Shane McMahon comes out victorious after he completes his insane spot. And lands on top of The Miz for the pinfall. This was one of the more entertaining matchups on the entire WrestleMania card. I loved everything about this match. I was thoroughly, thoroughly sports entertained. This wasn't a wrestling classic. Of course, you didn't expect it to be. But this was a typical 
WWE match when a typical WWE match can be a good thing to watch. This was a lot of fun, and I give credit to both guys. Really, really worth watching if you haven't seen it. And as you've noticed, I didn't write down times on this one. I just simply forgot to write down times for this card. Maybe subconsciously I did it because I knew it was going to be long regardless, so timing of the matchups didn't matter. Next up in another one of the surprising moves in my opinion, the Usos retained the SmackDown Tag Team titles against Ricochet and Alistair Black, The Bar, Rusev, and Shinsuke Nakamura. I thought for sure that this was all about Aster Black and Ricochet. I thought that's where they were going. Maybe that is where they're still going to go with the SmackDown type team titles eventually. Of course, we know what we saw on SmackDown. And the fact that the Usos are no longer SmackDown tag team champions. But we'll wait and get to that when we get to SmackDown, of course. But for this match and this moment, the Usos put on a great match as they always do. And it was a really cool thing to see them. Walk out still, your SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Next up, we have new WWE Women's Tag Team Champions as the titles are now hands on hips. Iconic as the Iconics, Peyton Royce and Billy Kay are your winners here. This was a bit of a surprise to me and definitely was a surprise to Sasha Banks. And boy, do we have more to talk about when we get to that later on. But... Nonetheless, new women's tag team champions, the Iconics. I'm a big fan of the Iconics. I like them a lot. And I like the fact that they are your real tag team right from the word go in a women's division without titles for the longest time. So I think if you were going to take the titles off of Banks and Bailey, this was definitely the right team to put it on. So I have to wait and see what the future holds for the iconic ones and by far the best bell to bell matchup of the night and that does pain me to say that because we all know what i wanted to be the best bell to bell match of the night it was still for me personally the best emotional moment of the night but of course we'll talk about it when we get there but kofi kingston thank heaven above is your new wwe Champion defeating the new Daniel Bryan. Such a tremendous match. Such a wonderful moment. Even though they telegraphed it by clearly having the leather version of the WWE Championship with Kofi's name already out there as the quote unquote surprise from the new day. It was a really disappointing thing to see that situation telegraphed. But it is what it is and Hopefully, Kofi gets a long, long, long run, but I am suspicious of it, given what we saw this week, which we'll, of course, cover, but for the moment and for everything that the moment should have been, it was everything in the world for sure. We have a new WWE Champion. No one deserves it more than Kofi, by God. Kingston. Next up, in a literal one-minute matchup, this was the only matchup I do know the timing on because I looked it up afterwards. Rey Mysterio clearly was not 100% and should have been 
pulled from this card as Samoa Joe defeats him to retain the United States Championship in one minute. There's nothing else you can say about this matchup. Next up, it was Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. As you would expect, Reigns coming off of his heroic beating of Leukemia wins the matchup. The crowd was very flat for it though, because by the time Kofi Kingston won the WWE Championship, the crowd was wore out from a really long show, and you really can't blame them at this point at all. So, it was what it was. It was a good match between two guys who worked really well off of one another with the expected outcome, but the crowd was definitely dead for this matchup. Next up, they did get woken up a bit, though, as it was the surprise moment of the night as Elias came out for his headlining musical performance segment. We all know he's going to be interrupted. Who should interrupt him? But a Babe Ruth package. Yeah, you heard me right. A Babe Ruth package on a wrestling show. I had no idea what they were going on about. I had no idea why they were talking about Babe Ruth calling a shot. I knew they were in New York and all of this, but I was like, what in the world is this? And it's revealed to be, so, you think you're untouchable. World life. This is basic, basic thugging, thugging, thugonomics. The doctor of thugonomics returns John Cena, returns to his rapper Cena persona. What a great surprise. What a great moment. All the feels that you should have to see this gimmick back again. We haven't seen it, of course, since the original feud with The Rock for WrestleMania 28. This was tremendous. I love this. Everything about this was great. Unless you're not a fan of this gimmick and you have no nostalgic feelings toward it, then I can understand why it would come off as annoying to you, but I loved it every bit of it. Next up, it was the No Holds Barred match with Triple H's career on the line as Triple H took on the Animal Batista in what the Animal confirmed after the match was officially his final wrestling match ever in WWE. This was everything you would expect it to be. It was a classic between two guys from an era who know how to present a match from that era, and of course, know each other really, really well. It was a great love letter from Batista to the business. You could tell that he was really happy to be there and really, really wanted to wrestle again. The only thing I can say about this match that even is slightly a little bit negative, and I'm again, I'm sure I'm not the only host that you're hearing say it this week, but the match was about 10 to 15 minutes too long. This easily could have been a 10-minute match instead of a 25- to 30-minute match, which is what, according to my memory, it ended up being. But nonetheless, it was a great thing to see. The entrances, I thought, were really cool. Even the hokiness and the cheesiness of the Mad Max-style entrance from Triple H, I thought just because it was so hokey and cheesy and because it was Triple H clearly nerding out of her a property he probably just recently discovered, maybe. I don't know, maybe he's been living under a rock. But my point is, you can always tell 
when Triple H is into something. Because Triple H puts full creativity into whatever he does. And he was definitely into that Mad Max entrance. So even that I thought was cool, despite how corny it was. And then we had what was by far the disappointment of the night, as it was the retirement match of Kurt Angle that just ended up being Baron Corbin. No surprises, no quick victory, no one else coming out to challenge Kurt. It was just Baron Corbin going over Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle going out with a limp, and this guy's a legend. He is one of the best the business has ever seen. His WWE run has been one of the most disappointing runs in recent memory, and I don't know a single wrestling fan who would disagree with me when I say that point. I loved everything about Kurt Angle as a human being. I'm glad Kurt Angle got this moment, but I hated, hated, hated everything about this match. Not just because I've never been a fan of Baron Corbin in any way, shape, or form, but just because Kurt Angle deserves so much better. Next up in a quick match, the demon Finn Balor returned to his demon form to recapture the Intercontinental Championship against Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley had a great physical look with the yellow contact. Looked like Killer Croc, honestly, from Batman is what it reminded me of. Of course, seeing the demon persona is always awesome. It's always a spectacle, always a sight to behold, and it wasn't anything different in this one. A very, very quick victory for Finn Balor here. And in the main event of the night, the entrances were great. Charlotte got to play off her father's Great American Bash entrance, coming in via helicopter. Joan Jett, of course, Played Ronda Rousey to the ring. Becky Lynch didn't do anything but be an awesome looking Becky Lynch. But that's exactly what we should have had from the man. Because that's who the man character is. And that's what she's all about. She's just about going out there and being a woman of the people. And getting the job done. And yes folks, the crying's over. Hopefully you don't hear me cry on this podcast. But I did it for about 45 minutes afterwards. Because... Becky got it done. Becky is the champ champ. Becky is Becky Two Belts. Becky Lynch walks out of the WrestleMania main event, lives every bit of her dream. She is your new first ever unified Raw and SmackDown Women's Champion. They are still calling her the Raw and SmackDown Women's Champion. They are not saying that these titles are unified. But I do think that that's the direction they are going to go, given what we saw on Raw SmackDown. So, there wasn't really much on Raw SmackDown to talk about this week, considering it was the go-home shows from WrestleMania. So, let's just jump right into that. Was the undisputed championship victory from the man from Becky Two Belts a sign of things to come? While Kofi Kingston shows up on Raw, challenges Seth Rollins to a match with the Universal title and the WWE title on the line. That match, of course, doesn't happen. The night ends with a tag team match with Rollins and Kingston defeating the bar. And, of course, on SmackDown, we did not see Rollins, but 
we did see the crowning of new SmackDown Tag Team Champions, which was by far the highlight of SmackDown this week as the Hardys gained the SmackDown Tag Team titles. Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder took to Twitter and said, hey, you guys just won the SmackDown titles. We just won the Raw titles. Let's have a title for title match. So the only title for title scenario we haven't been presented with or teased with yet is that of United States Champion Samoa Joe and Intercontinental Champion Finn Balor. But I do think that this is the direction that WWE is going to go. I think we're going to have one set of champions for each division. One mid-card champion for the men, one women's champion, one women's tag team champion, and one men's tag team champion. And I don't disagree with this. I've said it all along, and I'll reiterate it to you right here, right now. There are too many titles in WWE, and having one champion, as we've seen this week with the arrival of Lacey Evans, and how much more elevated Lacey Evans feels by feuding with the champ champ, Becky Two Belts, Becky Lynch, the man, when you have just one champion, your challenger automatically gets elevated. This will eliminate the problem that the brain extension has sometimes of not knowing who you're supposed to get behind, who you're supposed to treat as your actual champion. This will allow the biggest stars in WWE to be on SmackDown when SmackDown moves to Fox in October. All of this is a reason to unify all the championships in WWE, and that is what I think is going to go down. So, I'm going to just tell you that that's what I think is going to happen, and that's what I hope will go down. Now, the news this week, of course, kicked off with the fact that the WrestleMania finish, while clearly the right result and the right champion in Becky Lynch walking out of the main event of WrestleMania, the finish of the match was a bit controversial as it would appear as though Ronda Rousey's shoulders were not down for Becky Lynch's crucifix pin. Now, was this done on purpose? Was this a botch? There are so many conflicting reports that it's impossible for Razman's reality yours truly to tell you. What I can do, of course, though, is give you my opinion on this situation. And my opinion on the situation is the simple fact that because this was Rousey's first and only definitive loss in WWE, the only other one, of course, coming in a tag team match scenario, I don't think WWE would ever allow Ronda Rousey to lose a match in a controversial way without it leading to something. I think this is leading to the one-on-one Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey match that should have happened this year before they felt the need to still put Charlotte in there for whatever their reasons were. And I think that's what's going to go down. And I think that's why the match ended the way it did. Could it have been a mistake? I don't know. Because supposedly Ronda Rousey wasn't happy about it. And supposedly there was another ending plan. But everyone else is also saying this was the plan ending. And Ronda just botched it because Ronda's 
shoulders weren't down. And Becky Lynch, when Becky Lynch talked about the ending, the only thing that Becky said was that I beat Ronda with a wrestling move, which is exactly what I wanted to do because this is a woman that was disparaging our industry and making fun of professional wrestling. So I don't think that there was a botch here. I think this was a plant by WWE to set up this match that is meant to be ignored. And that's all I'm going to say about it unless it is proven otherwise. But yeah, of course I am so emotional about Becky winning this title, winning this main event. You all know that I've stood behind her since 2014 when she debuted with the ridiculous Irish dancer gimmick in green outfit. A lot of people, even before me, I had known her as Rebecca Knox in the Indies. This woman has had to overcome so much in her life and career and for everyone that has stood behind her all this time. Everything we've gone through, it's all worth it because we have our champion, champ, our Becky T. Belts, our Ron Smackdown Women's Champion, the man Becky Lynch is on top. This show, of course, because of everything we've had to talk about, has probably already run its normal length, if not a bit longer. So we're not going to do mailbag this week. We'll get back to that next week. I'm not going to talk about a lot of news, but the two main news stories that I do have to talk about come out of fallout from AEW and AEW officially signing Jim Ross as it would appear that AEW's television deal has all but been officially confirmed as everything is pointing toward AEW this October getting a television deal on a major network that everyone has in the United States and that major network folks is expected to either be TBS or TNT that's right AEW is going to bring the Warner Turner group back to professional wrestling the former home of WCW World Championship Wrestling is slated to be the home of AEW so we'll have to keep a close eye on this situation and see when this becomes official. This was great. I'm glad that AEW landed Jim Ross officially as well. I'm looking forward to whatever else he has left from an announcing standpoint. And of course, I always look forward to what he can bring to any company backstage from those years and years and years of experiences that he has under his belt. And finally, the really big story that comes out of WrestleMania, despite the fact that we don't really know why this was done, was the fact that Sasha Banks felt blindsided by the Iconics winning the women's tag team titles, was really, really upset, said point blank that Bailey and I were promised a long reign with the women's tag team titles. We were promised a situation where we were going to defend these titles on SmackDown and NXT as well. That didn't come to fruition. This was not supposed to go down this way to the point where, and yes, you're not mishearing me, folks. I am telling you 
exactly what has come out and what is being reported, Sasha Banks tried to quit WWE following WrestleMania. That's how upset she is about this situation. And now it's come out that reportedly Banks has unfollowed WWE on Twitter and is now following AEW Vice Presidents Cody Rhodes, The Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega and the official account of All Elite Wrestling. And, of course, Banks made that long post about how she wants that magic again. Banks is currently on vacation, granted by WWE being allowed to decide if she wants to stay or wants to go. I hope that she doesn't go, but WWE really has mistreated her for so very, very long. So if she does want to go to AEW, I don't blame her. I do think, however, that it's more than likely going to be a situation because it is Sasha Banks, one of the most notable stars in the world today, that WWE isn't going to make it easy for Sasha Banks to leave the company whatsoever. She won't just be granted a release. She'll have to wait out the rest of her contract. Who knows how long that's going to be if she doesn't come back to WWE TV. But obviously, no offense to the revival or anyone else that's been mistreated, but this by far is the biggest story and the biggest name attached to all these issues with WWE and all of this desire to go to AEW that current stars have. Sasha Banks is by far the biggest name of the bunch. So I have to wait and see what comes out of this situation. But of course, I will stay on top of it. And of course, we will talk about it a lot on the show if there becomes more to say about it in the coming weeks and days ahead. That's going to wrap it up for this week's edition of the show, the post-WrestleMania edition of In Ring Reality. I really enjoyed this year's WrestleMania. I hope all of you did as well. It was a great overall WrestleMania despite some up and down places. So be sure to let me know what you thought of the program by reaching out via email at inringrealitypodcast at gmail.com, via social media at inringrealitypodcast on Instagram, or via Twitter at inringrealpod. You can also be sure to subscribe to the program if you haven't already done so on your preferred podcast listening platform today. And also please consider doing each of the following. Firstly, leaving a five-star review on either Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, even if you don't use them to listen to the show, as that really does help the algorithm out quite a bit and help spread the word about this show and get the show into more ears of more great wrestling fans like yourself, which is important to me, as I'm sure it is important to you. And if you're able to do so and really want to help this program grow, you can now donate directly to the program via our host podcast platform, Anchor.fm. And you will find that link along with the link to all of the other mentioned social media platforms and email in the description of each episode. And as always, this has been your Razman's Reality Check.